Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about two romantic films, Pride and Prejudice and Sleepless in Seattle. But first, let's catch up. What are you up to, Bridget? Um, so I forgot to mention this last time we recorded, but I did see Uncut Gems and I had been kind of like, how good can the Safdie brothers be? Like, is the hype real? Yeah. Uh, cause I haven't seen good time and I went with a friend and it truly was like the most full bodied film going experience I've been to in a while. It was like you were, it was like it, the movie triggers like fight or flight response. Oh my God. <laughs> Cause it's so, it's so, uh, anxiety provoking like people in our theater left they like walked out and it's it's just it feels almost cathartic now to look back on it because you're watching someone make such terrible decisions Mm -hmm. and you're like my own life isn't that bad yeah (laughs) uh but it's such a crazy experience that i can only now look back on the movie like with total affection and like even while watching it i felt such affection for adam sandler and his character he's like an idiot man and he makes terrible choices but you can't help but like root for him oh my god Uh, and i really love julia fox in it and idina menzel and the music is really uh interesting it's like a it's like sounds like blade runner uh, oh for whatever reason that's cool i think one of tricks point never did the music yeah it is really cool really enjoyed it um yesterday i had the opportunity to see all the oscar nominated short films which is really like my favorite part of watching the Oscars, which are airing tonight, is like not when Renee Zellweger wins an Oscar, you know, but yeah. it's like when someone who lives in obscurity yeah. and this is like a life changing moment yeah. gets on stage and is recognized by their peers is like mm-hmm. really special. Um, so I thought all of them were really good. They're all like very sad. Uh, but my favorite was Brotherhood by Mariam Jubier, Jubier, uh, Jubier, I'm sorry, and Maria Garcia. Tergion. Um, just a really incredible movie about, um, oh, I can just read the synopsis really quick <laughs> up here. Muhammad is deeply shaken and suspicious when his estranged eldest son, Malik, returns home to rural Tunisia with a mysterious young wife in tow. Um, so it's kind of about these three brothers who uh, still live with their parents and the eldest brother returns from uh, fighting with ISIS. But it's uh-huh. a really beautiful depiction of family life. Um, And I was just really moved by it. And I think it's also like the reveal, I guess it's kind of a spoiler that the eldest son had been fighting with ISIS and kind of like ran away from them Mm -hmm. is one of those things that I watched a movie with a bunch of like older white Texans, you know, Mm -hmm. and it kind of like tricked them into feeling empathy with someone Mm -hmm. that they maybe normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And to do a complete 180 from that, (laughs) my other thing I'm really into this week is Doja Cat. I have just been getting really into her. Mm -hmm. She's just really fun. I love Mm -hmm. the proliferation of like really great female rappers right now. Mm -hmm. There's so many amazing women just killing it mm-hmm. and i think i sent you tia tamara yeah uh, a bop. Just, she's just fun she's yeah. just really fun and i think she was on the birds of prey soundtrack right? yes she was so good segue yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i saw birds of prey yesterday and i really liked it it was a lot of fun um and it's crazy that like we could get something good out of suicide squad which was very bad true, but true. um it was good uh as i've talked about before on the podcast women working together is my cry trigger and although mm-hmm. i did not cry during birds of prey i did get emotional and well up a little bit um but it's very good and fun and it 
has the potential to have a lot of good spinoffs. There were a lot of great characters introduced. <laughs> a good intro movie. Can you see it without having seen uh, Suicide Squad? Like I have. Yes. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, Joker is not even in it at all. Oh. And they do a lot of like recapping at the beginning mm-hmm. in this cute little cartoon way. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. What else are you into? Uh, I started watching the BBC Pride and Prejudice, which mm-hmm. I've never watched before, but it's all on Hulu. And I've always meant to watch it because people say it's really good. That conference is a good Mr. Darcy. Gotta say, it's not as good as the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Um, but, like, it's still the same story. Yeah. And a lot of the lines are, like, exactly the same. Um obviously from same source material Mm -hmm. um so i am still obviously loving it do you think you would have Um, felt that way if you had seen like if this had been do you think it's like just like empirically better the 2005 version or is it like a fondness thing no i think it's like one it's just like better yeah and anyone who says that it's not is just wrong yeah and we'll like get into this but like it's an adaptation, you know? It doesn't have to be a regurgitation of the book, you know? And it, and like I said, all, like most of the lines are exactly the same. That's so funny. It's just like better done. I, but I read this like really angry review of the 2005 Pride and Prejudice that was like um, on the Jane Austen like website or something written by this professor. And she was whatever we can talk about it later but she was just like they try to like imbue sex when there is no sex like with there the has always been sculpture like thing and all that stuff and i'm like are you kidding like this is like a hot book yeah and story and it was in the and she was like compared to the bbc version which didn't have it like any of that forced in there and i was like he has like he comes out of like a lake at one oh point, my god like, dripping wet all right prude anyway. Yeah. Um, but the third thing that I'm into is a book of poetry called The Carrying by Ada Limon. And um, she's like probably my favorite poet these days, I guess. I'm not super into poetry, so it's like weird for me to even say that I have a favorite. But um, I subscribe to Poem, which is like a newsletter Aww. that sends you a poem every day. And so I first read one of her poems i think there it might have been on twitter though but um she is like it it she's very like accessible to people that aren't like haven't been into poetry forever mm. but not in the way that like someone like rupee Kaur okay. okay or whatever yeah is like in that her poems actually like <laughs> evoke emotion <laughs> i'm sorry i just like really don't like the uh, Ruby like charm. milk and honey or whatever I yeah, I, yeah it's just like nothing happens in them and the whatever but ada limon is like i recommend to i feel like everyone could she just like paints such a beautiful picture i feel like mm-hmm. um and i really like her so that's i read that i read her book of nice. poems i think it's her latest one the carrying but um very cool i love a yeah. good poem <laughs> yeah all right do you want to uh, dive in yes i'm so excited I'm so happy excited valentine's too. day this week yeah happy guys. valentine's day <laughs> yeah uh so the first movie we're talking about is pride and prejudice from 2005 directed by joe wright it is a truth universally acknowledged 
that most young women of a certain age are totally bananas for the 2005 adaption of Jane Austen's timeless novel, Pride and Prejudice. Kara Knightley stars as the headstrong Elizabeth Bennet, an 18th century 20-year-old who is not nearly as interested in the pursuit of marriage as her mother and sisters. When she meets the wealthy Mr. Darcy at a dance, she is repulsed by his snobbery and aloof nature. As her sisters fall in love and chase their own suitors, Elizabeth, despite her better judgment, finds herself drawn to Mr. Darcy. Okay, so this story is actually, I mean, this movie uh, at the genesis of our friendship. I don't know if you remember this, but I tweeted yeah. once in college. Uh, can everyone on Spotify see that I'm listening to the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack? And you tweeted back like, don't be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dario Mar- Mar- Martinello. Mar- Martinelli or something yeah. did the, did so the score. It's so good. I had the piano music to try and learn it for my Aww. senior piano recital in high school. <sighs> this I movie saw. has it all. Music, yeah. beautiful cinematography, amazing performances, mm-hmm. great editing. Yes. Literally, nothing is wrong with it. It's a flawless it's all perfect. film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should just shut it down now. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I think it was that we were, this movie like came out in 2005, obviously, but had like kind of an extended life, not only because it's a very famous adaptation of mm-hmm. a famous work, but because mm-hmm. people on Tumblr, women on Tumblr yeah. and just people in general, uh, were yeah. <laughs> crazy about this movie. Yeah. Um, it was I mean, very gifable. Yes, exactly. I was, this movie is so beautiful. Like, and uh, paid attention to so many like small details, and mm-hmm. a lot of the like chemistry and flirtiness could just be just dis- wasn't like spoken. It could be yeah. distilled into like looks and just like tiny moments. So it was perfect for gifs and perfect for Tumblr. Yeah. And oh, God, what a good movie! It is a great movie, and I think that Joe Wright and his the screenplay is by a woman named Deborah Magak Mogach. Like chick flicks, we never look up names. We just shoot from the hip. Uh, Mogich is probably how you pronounce your last name. Deborah Mogich. Um, I think they really struck at the essence of the story too. You know, um, it reminded me having just seen Little Women about how Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig was kind of able to pare down like what is this story about, and mm-hmm. also take something that was written hundreds of years ago and kind of be like. It's not that they're modernizing it, but they're just acknowledging that people have always had this type of humanity. It's not like mm-hmm. people were stiff just because maybe literature was written in a way that seems more formal than how we speak now. doesn't mean that they right. were like robot, robot, robot people, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think like, so it like breathes life into it. Yeah. Um, and I think it it like the writing does make it seem stiff and so many period adaptions and things it does seem more like a play or seems mm-hmm. more like wooden but this movie and little women like pays attention to those like i was saying like jiffable moments uh yeah. that make that give that humanity because i feel like especially then a lot of the things that you might want to say you couldn't like actually say to someone Mm. but there were so much conveyed in like shared looks Mm -hmm. um like especially when like the sisters were just like making fun of someone and they would just like give each other a look yeah (laughs) it's like of course they wouldn't say it out loud but just that look and you're like Mm -hmm. 
there's also a lot of like sisterly crosstalk, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which I think makes it feel more more realistic and mm-hmm. modern and lively. But obviously, people, it's not like people waited turns to speak. I don't know, you know, it's just yeah, it's just a more vivid rendering, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. And then I like even like the set where there's just like ribbons everywhere mm. and. I liked the decision to have their home see, seem more lived in Yeah. than, for example, the BBC Pride and Prejudice. Everything is very, um, I mean, all the sets look the same, too, in the BBC mm. version, where it's like every room is just, like, clean and pretty and, mm. like, and every scene is basically in a room. There's not yeah. as much varied landscape in terms of like um like elizabeth going outside and walking she does do that but there's no like a lot of the conversations happen just like in the parlor or whatever Mm. but i like that um like the scene in this that i love a lot is when they're like at that like weird what is it like a monument in the middle of the oh and the rain scene and the rain the rain proposal scene yeah yeah Uh, but that doesn't happen in in the bbc version they're like in a parlor oh boring but i think joe wright really made great decisions on locations yeah which i don't even know if that would be his decision to make but whoever did the locations yeah like spot on um in an interview in 2005 with erica abiel and indiewire Joe said, I wanted a sense of the elements of mud and rain. Mm. It occurred to me that love is an elemental force, and I wanted to set it in the context of the other elements. And it seemed to me that if Elizabeth had a very earthbound existence, then her aspiration for romantic love would be all the more heroic. She's got her feet in the mud, and she's reaching for the stars. I think it's a heroic story. Like, he really gets it. He gets it. Yeah. Um, In the BBC version, are the differences in class as a parent? Because you're saying that, like, their house seems nicer. No. Yeah. I think that's another thing he really nails. And he says in this Mm -hmm. interview as well, each character has a different kind of snobbery and mindset. Society Mm -hmm. at the time was changing. Uh, Mm -hmm. The French Revolution had just happened. And the aristocracy... God, help me. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't I say this? Aristocracy. Aristocracy. Oh, my God. Sometimes... It's hard. It's just hard because you speak so much. And so much of it is different out of your mouth. Well, it's different also than saying aristocrat. You're right. Thank you, Mackenzie. The aristocrat. Anyway, the rich people are terrified that the lower classes are going to rise up in arms against them. So rather than segregate themselves, they assimilate it. That's why Darcy and Bingley go to that first assembly dance. Bingley thinks Mm -hmm. it's marvelous. He's like slumming it. He embraces it with open arms. All the more girls to dance with, all the more fun to be had. He's not a snob at all, really. Whereas Caroline Bingley, who's his sister, is incredibly Mm -hmm. threatened by this whole development. She's probably kind of new money, not old money like Darcy, who's more settled in his position. And that was an insight that I hadn't really thought of, like why they would go to the dance, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, and like Little Women, and I think like most stories about the marriage plot, uh, Mm -hmm. as the trope is called, this movie is Mm -hmm. also about like class Mm -hmm. and economics. And like, yeah, for sure. Economics is Mm -hmm. a good way to put it because, and I think that, is very i think jane austen makes that very clear from her first like line her famous line Mm. that um every single man must be in want of a what like whatever whatever the line is you Um, know it (laughs) yeah you know it um and every 
and like Little Women, I feel like all of the sisters, not as good as the Greta Gerwig women, but are fleshed out mm-hmm. and like given their own personalities. I don't think it's done as well as the as Little Women, but still love it. They almost cut Mary. I did read that, that they almost were like, we don't need all of these sisters. But Mary is essential. Yeah, I agree. Mary is an essential and like gets a mm-hmm. lot of lovely beats. Uh, also very uh, Greta Gerwigian is how many <laughs> characters could kind of have their own spinoff. Like you mm-hmm. feel like they each get a kind of like delicate moment that hints at, you know, like a larger story or their inner mm-hmm. humanity. You know, like Mary crying at the party with her yeah. father. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Lucas and Mr. Collins have that. Even the maid mm-hmm. who walks through the house whistling mm-hmm. and singing, yeah. you know, is kind yeah. of like what's going on there. We'll never know. Yeah. It's just Elizabeth that we're focusing on, but we get to mm-hmm. have all these other windows into different lives. And speaking mm-hmm. of Elizabeth, this is, I think, Kira Knightley's best performance ever. Yeah, it's so good. She's so good. When she rejects mr darcy and then goes to pemberley mm. and is like holy shit this is what it like her face when she sees pemberley for the first time she's like i'm a dumb that, bitch yeah <laughs> that is so good it's she delivers it's just a look she doesn't say anything but it's perfect she's really really good in this and you know she had just yeah. come off of she was like an infant when she was in pirates of penzance pirates of penzance pirates of the caribbean <laughs> she was like 16 15 years old you know really yeah because she's 19 in this Wow. Isn't that crazy? And this is, I saw someone say this is her breakout role and I was like, but she did pirates before this. Uh, Wait, when was pirate? When did pirates come out? I think this has to be post pirates. Let me just Google it. And it will. And she was in love actually too. Yeah. Also, also as an infant, also as an infant, she's like 17. And I think that was before this. Good God. Yeah. Okay. I'm Googling it, but it's taking forever. Um, she's great in this. And that's another thing Joe Wright said that the BBC version kind of didn't get correctly is in the BBC version, the characters are aged up and he's like, this is a movie about like young people falling in love. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't make sense that Elizabeth would be played by a 30 year old, you know? Um, although Matthew McFadden is older. He's like like 28. So he's like almost 30. But is he that? I think he's older than that in this when he's. Oh, really? He was born in 1974. So that's. Oh, like the actor is older? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, wait, sorry. Pirates of the the Caribbean came out in 2003. So this is two years post Pirates. Oh, my gosh. Love actually came out in 2003, too. This was a huge. This was the Keira Knightley Renaissance. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I actually read an interview with or saw an interview with Saoirse Ronan recently where mm-hmm. she talked about Kira Knightley was telling her once like w- the ages of like when you're 20 mm-hmm. are the hardest to get cast in because when you're a teenager you get like sexy teenage roles and then when you're mm-hmm. older you're like a mom and they don't really know what to do with women who are in this like in-between age that's so weird yeah like the fuck I know it is weird but and she- it's so weird that like Kira Knightley the 18 year old was cast as the love actually like bride <laughs> Yeah, of like a grown man. It's so strange. Yeah, so oh, weird. Oh my god, as a child, she's a. I think an actress who also gets like shit on a lot, um, you know, and kind of like yeah. doubted of her abilities. But she's really yeah. great in this, and I think she brings like yeah. a hardiness to the character. Um, mm-hmm. She's like scrappy, and I don't know. She just feels very real. She, you can feel like, what I mean, this is true with a lot of the characters, and mm-hmm. especially I would say Mr. Darcy too. But you can feel like other stuff happening behind the like there you can 
get the sense that they have like this rich internal monologue happening yeah with they're not saying anything oh um, I, especially with lizzie yeah especially with her i wrote in our notes tom tom Wamgam, tom Wamgam, and mckenzie yeah. was like what is this uh, I, I thought it was another like <laughs> snl joke that i was <laughs> didn't understand so matthew mcfadden by far his the second role he is most known for and currently most known for is on Succession. You have to watch yeah. Succession. He's like a total buffoon and his name is Tom's Whamsgams. <laughs> and he's like, he's like a cuckold. He's such a like weird, like power hungry loser. It's like so hard to describe. He's very lovable too, as every asshole is on that show, but he's so good in it. And you forget that he's so hot as Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice because I've had the Tom Whamsgam vision on for so long. I had to be like, rediscover his sensuality in this movie. Which, oh my gosh, he plays it. I think this is notable because he kind of uh, plays Darcy as a very shy, uncomfortable, almost Mm -hmm. like I've seen some readings or like maybe he's on the spectrum. Mm. Yeah, he seems more sensitive in this version. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you can definitely see him being like austere and stuff. But I think... The fact that he is like more shy also Mm -hmm. and it's believably shy that it makes the like Elizabeth's revelation of his true character like even more. Yeah. And 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 you understand that they're like I think you put in this Roger Ebert quote that was uh, really meaningful. You know, he says that he really admires the scene in the rain where they have the angry argument. This argument mm-hmm. serves two purposes. It clears up misunderstandings and it allows both characters to see, to see each other as the true and brave people they really are. It's not enough for them to love each other. They must also love the goodness in each other. And that's where the story's true emotion lies. Like they're just like missing. It's like missed signals, you know, like they yeah. just don't understand each other, but they're still like drawn to each other. And mm-hmm. I think that's why people love this story so much. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's frustrating. And everyone, I, I mean, I certainly kind of love a story that starts out with like negging, you know, like when yeah. oh, the romantic interests are kind of like mean to each other. I and love I, it. I texted Kenzo watching this, like, did Elizabeth Bennett invent nagging as flirting? <laughs> she's so mean to him. I mean, he's I know. Too, but she, yeah. she like knows what she's doing. He's just like kind of obliviously being rude and yeah. she is like actively mean to him. <laughs> yeah. And like, th- and she's like, uh, Kira Knightley does such a good job of like showing Elizabeth's intel- like intelligence and yeah. like wit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, she's so good at the quick comebacks. Yeah. She's just like, She's so good. She's so good. And (laughs) Rosamund Pike does Jane is really good too. She Um, kind of does Jane as like a softer, shyer sister who like Darcy is kind of like immobilized by her own feelings and can't express herself. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Bingley Mm -hmm. is just a goober. Yeah. Oh, so sweet, sweet goober who has not acted since 2008. I think he, he, so him and I, okay. I should have looked this Mm -hmm. up, but him and Rosamund Pike were like married. No, they were, they dated. They did. Uh, they okay, dated, okay. and so Joe Wright like asked Rosamund Pike, like, "Will you be comfortable if I cast him as Mr. Bingley?" And she's like, "It's mm-hmm. fine. It's whatever." And then yeah. she started dating Joe Wright, and they were engaged. Oh shit! Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Rosamund Pike they, has the range. Yeah, she's they amazing. were good together too because they were both so like doe-eyed, innocent. Yeah, they were good together. So sweet. And this movie also has young Carrie Mulligan as a sister. Yep. In her first film, and then Jenna Malone mm-hmm. uh, as the Kitty. I think it's Kitty, right? The only American Lydia. sister. Lydia. Carrie Lydia. Mulligan oh, is Kitty. Kitty. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And they're great. The parents are great. I A lot of reviews hated Donald Sutherland, 
and said he was mm-hmm. too modern of a father, but I love him in this. I think his performance is so sweet and good. You know, like mm-hmm. when he, when she, when he's like crying at the end of the film, cause he's so happy yeah. and he oh. loves his crazy ass wife. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she gives a really good performance. Yeah, she too. does. She does too. It's just a really well cast movie. It's so funny that mm-hmm. the guy who plays Mr. Collins is named Tom Hollander. I was like, Tom Holland. <laughs> I know. I thought that too. He he's really good too. He's this movie is really funny. It is very funny. He's very funny in it. He's mm-hmm. also very sympathetic. But you also understand why Elizabeth would be repulsed by him. Yeah, <laughs> like you're like, oh, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, um, this movie, I think, also is kind of slept on for being a really incredible, like impressive, like director directorial feat. And um, mm-hmm. the editing is really great. Like the scene where they're all dancing at the Bingley's house. Mm-hmm. at a ball um elizabeth is having a conversation with mr collins and with jane at the same time and i was watching it thinking like oh my god they must have choreographed the hell out of this because yeah. there's like multiple different shots from different angles mm-hmm. they're dancing and there's two different conversations happening mm-hmm. and like the way that not even just that but like every character in that whole sequence at that ball at the netherfield yeah ball um it it's the camera is constantly just like sweeping in and out of rooms and you get a feel for what every character is doing with just like a pan of the room Mm -hmm. and it adds so much to that character without having to pause the movie and be like this is the scene where mary stops playing the piano and gets sad it's just like every character is given their time without uh, without stopping, like bringing the yeah. actual story to a halt, which is what ha- I think distinguishes this movie from the BBC version a lot. Like all of those things happen in the BBC version, but it's like the the main story is like brought to a screeching halt to just like show these other side mm-hmm. moments. But I think it's just in terms of like writing and directing this mm. this movie, just like is on point it's so not, good not a second is wasted so we would be like totally remiss if we didn't talk about our favorite like small moments like, okay the gestures they're almost like the film's like tiny gestures yeah. of yeah yeah yeah. i think the, everything with a hand yeah <laughs> when he lifts her when he like lifts her into the carriage and they when, touch each other's hands and then he flexes when, that's darcy and elizabeth yeah and it's it's Love like it. he's He's touched her and he can't believe he touched her. Um, I also love when, um, when Bingley is following Jane at the party and trying to touch her dress while she walks ahead of him. Yeah. It's just so. I also love when Darcy first sees Elizabeth in the assembly Mm. or at the Lucas's. I don't know which ball it is. The first ball. Yeah. And, uh, the camera is like, slowly moving and then it's like a quick cut from elizabeth to darcy where you can tell they meet eyes Mm -hmm. but then he quickly looks away i love how he just like quickly looks away like he's like shocked that he Mm -hmm. let his eyes linger on her yeah (sighs) and i love the sculpture room (laughs) where elizabeth is like realizing that she is like attracted i guess to mr darcy i love that it's so i know it's so beautiful. good it's so good um yeah and when he 
when she's like just lurking around his house and he catches yeah. her. <laughs> yes, I love that too. When he, when they're like talking and it's like they realize that like I, this is the first time Mr. Darcy is realizing that Elizabeth has sort of forgiven him and has as feels ashamed that the way she had misjudged him uh-huh. and it's the first, and Elizabeth I think is sort of realizing also that he even though he mm. but and also that he even though he was like I'll never renew my sentiments that there's like still hope yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. With the, oh, I love it. Oh, it's just I, I said that this is like the rare movie that when I watched, if I had to do, if I had to like answer a text, I like pause the movie because I was like, I literally oh, cannot look away. Like I am yep. glued, and I felt yeah. like my whole body was elevating yeah. <laughs> above the couch. It's just so good. It's just so so good. I felt the same. Like Ian came in halfway through and was like asking me questions, and I was like pausing it every time. Like, please do not. Like, I was like, oh, what do you need to know? Like now, because it just I still hits so hard, and it hasn't aged at all. No, not at all. It's still it's every moment is so perfect. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Do you want to? I guess maybe we'll get into some. Um, oh wait, wait, wait. Real quickly, this guy in the New York Times, I forget his name, uh, wrote that wrote a review of the film and at the very end he was like as the tide of feminism that crested two decades ago recedes and the old advance and retreat games of courtship return pride and prejudice pride and prejudice speaks wistfully to the moment and i was like no dumbass this is like proto-feminism you know it's like the marriage plot came about you know um because women were finally able to marry for love for the first time and that was like huge Mm -hmm. they're they weren't Mm -hmm. just like property to be kind Mm -hmm. of like um passed on from one family to another mm-hmm. and it was it's actually like quite progressive for the time to have stories mm-hmm. like this where you know like elizabeth mm-hmm. is kind of like in charge of her you know who she wants to be with yeah and also what is he even talking about? i know like you don't make you're not making any sense he's also very horny for a cure nightly in the i know the, the, and the title of the article is even like marrying off those bennett sisters again but this time elizabeth bennett is a looker are you like, kidding? Oh are you God. kidding? I yeah. know, especially like she's very beautiful in the BBC version. Too. Yeah, she's like I don't know. There's like one from the sixties or something that I've never seen yeah. or heard of, really. But I don't know. It's like very strange to me. Very that whole article very was so weird. weird. <laughs> very weird. Um. So let's hear from some people who did not like this movie. And you know what? I kind of like respect them because they're just weird Jane Austen super fans. This okay. first one was uh, Kira was too modern, dull, and frankly, I found it unpleasant to watch her. Where, where anyone else sees Darcy as sex god, the writer of this saw him as sexually frustrated and inadequate. Bingley was stupid and dippy. He wasn't meant to be. And it's like, yeah, he can be sexually frustrated, inadequate, and a sex god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Open up your mind. <laughs> yeah. Well... And I think it, it's cre- like Cure was too modern. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it, it speaks to what we were saying before. At, like people had personalities in the olden oh, days. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, like it's so weird that just because she like was able to like speak well or whatever mm-hmm. that people are like, no, that she's too modern. <laughs> okay, like, I, okay. I will say the one thing I did catch, which I was like, that's an, an anachronism is uh at one point, Jane says to her, I'm totally over him. Or I'm I know. Quite, I'm I quite heard, over I, him. And I'm like, no yeah. one would have been like over where, you know? You, yeah, I, I know. I thought that too. Over I was him? like, is that? Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. It was actually. the only one I caught that I was like, mm. Yeah. But she, that wasn't even. That wasn't even that Lizzie. Bad. Don't that, that was Jane. Care. Yeah. 
Um, uh, the second one star review is as for the proposition that Darcy's aloofness was because he's shy and not confident. He just seemed pathetic to me and Darcy should certainly not be pathetic. Yeah. And then this person went on to say, Mr. Collins is however very good and towers above the other members of the cast. It's funny. It just seems like they just wanted something different. Like I want the tortured, uh, socially awkward romantic lead and they wanted a more assured one. I guess, yeah. In the BBC one, Mr. Con or not Mr. Collins, Mr. Darcy is very, like, Collinsworth is very, um, he isn't, like, he doesn't seem, like, shy and unsure of himself. He seems mm-hmm. very sure of himself and is, just seems, like, colder. Yeah. Altogether. But I don't like that. I like Mr. Darcy to be, like, vulnerable and, like, discovering stuff about himself. Yeah. He's Which, changing. He's like, recognizing toxic masculinity is present in his life. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mackenzie, I think we already know what we're rating this one. It might be our first. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Flawless. Literally can't even think of a thing to find wrong I, with it. As soon as the, as soon as the movie started, started and it's like this shot of a foggy landscape with the music slowly coming, rising as the sun rises. I felt like my brain had been plunked into a warm bath it was like immediate relaxation oh my, my jaw unclenched and i was just like wow i didn't realize how stressed i was until i started watching this and everything just untensed and Fuck. it was perfect yes it yeah. is so good if you haven't seen was, it <laughs> see it i was telling bridget before we started recording that i imagine that this watching this movie is what it feels like to be in one of those float tanks where they play like nice music and you're floating and lights are i felt high watching it i felt like i was just like on cloud nine maybe (laughs) other people don't have this reaction to this movie let us know if we sound insane (laughs) okay so our next film is another romantic movie sleepless in seattle from 1993 which was directed by nora efron when eight-year-old Jonah calls into a radio show to talk about his widow, widower father, widower, <laughs> widower father Sam, thousands of women are moved by his grief. One of them, reporter Annie Reed, finds herself weeping at Sam's description of his late wife. Annie becomes obsessed with the idea that although they have never met, she and Sam are perhaps meant to be together. Despite her engagement to another man, Annie proposes that they meet on Valentine's Day at the top of the Empire State Building. So I suggested this movie, so I was kind of nervous to see what you think. Uh, I think it's bonkers, but good. Yeah, I think that too. Okay. I think it's like uh, like when Guy Branham talks about it mm-hmm. and he says, uh, I'll just read the quote, mm-hmm. Sleepless Sleepless's premise is bonkers. It's led, its leads do not meet until the last moment. Tom Hanks is doing fine work in his little movie about learning to date again after losing his spouse, but Ryan has to take this haunting suspicion that there's a better life waiting for her in Seattle and make it seem reasonable. The film is so relatable, but shouldn't be, and it's beautiful proof of her and Efron's skills. And like that's exactly how that's like exactly. I think it speaks to something that maybe like a lot of women feel about like being secretly unhappy in your life, even though technically there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Like yeah. all, all the things you have are good. You have yeah a good partner and you know a job and people who love you but there's this lingering suspicion that you could change that and be even happier and it's like very haunting (laughs) yes it's haunting yeah but this movie is crazy it is crazy 
Uh, so, but, it's, I, but yeah, but it's but so relatable. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so it has aged kind of strangely because it's definitely yeah. I saw a lot of people calling it like a stalker movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you set this in modern times, like in 2020, mm-hmm. everything yeah. Annie does would seem less crazy. You know, like well, because it wouldn't be like you said, it wouldn't be like hiring a detective. It would be like looking up him on facebook or like his website he would have a website he would have a website (laughs) you know and she just has to go these extra steps because the internet didn't exist i mean i guess they were on computers sometimes but um you know it would have it just would have seemed less less strange and it is like if you think about it too much or pull it apart becomes increasingly strange you know uh i remember watching it as a teenager and being like in a way she's falling in love with the child and the child is falling in love with her yeah (laughs) like tom is like an afterthought um, yeah, but I don't know. I think this movie made me cry like three times when I watched it yesterday. Uh, wow. Yeah, it just gets me. I think it's uh, it's also like a really beautiful film about grief. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's a scene where Tom Hanks is kind of like visited by like a ghostly vision of his wife who speaks mm-hmm. to him. And I also really love the movie You've Got Mail. And that movie also by Nora Ephron has like a a, a ghostly vision in it. And I think she just like leaves space for grief and love to kind of um, appear at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think it's also really funny. I think she's a great writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there are a lot of moments in this movie that were like, that's why it works, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and it is, I was while watching it, I was like, wow, this movie has eclipsed the other movie in like it the, mm-hmm. throughout this movie. It's talking about like a, an affair to remember yeah. or whatever that movie is. But like now when people think about like a romantic empire state building movie, they think about this movie. They exactly. don't think about that other one. So it's like kind of became like the I mean, it's like the biggest rom-com right like, yeah it, i mean this this era especially too um yeah. and efron wanted it to be an enduring movie um and it so it, it does like reference so much classic older movies mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of tom hanks as a romantic lead he is very um disarming i feel like mm-hmm. it's weird. I don't it's like he's, he's like, like not sexy yeah know, but yeah. compelling yeah yeah it might be the age because- we're at too a familiarity with him you know like it's yeah. too much like a dad. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It is weird when he talks about like sex and stuff and I'm like no. Oh no. I can't see it. <laughs> like <laughs> There's a funny running joke throughout this film that women are cry at different things than men or are affected mm-hmm. by different things than men and that's mm-hmm. definitely a way that Nora Ephron's movies have aged kind of poorly is that she mm-hmm. has this like really stark like men and women are different. They are different types of humans. Yeah. Um, which is true, but for different reasons than she thinks, I think, you yeah, know, like, I think so too. She's not getting at like, I don't know, like how we're, how our genders are shaped and blah, 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 um, stuff mm-hmm. kind of ahead of her time. But one of them mm-hmm. is like men and women cry at different movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> men in this movie literally can't understand what is so sad about an affair to remember. And yet, yeah. like, I was confused by that because obviously Tom Hanks and his son are romantic, you know, like, and have romantic yeah. aspirations and want to do grand gestures and stuff. So it is strange, especially uh, there was a scene where they explicitly do the like crying at different mm-hmm. movies where like Tom Hanks's friend 
is you, crying about mm-hmm. an affair to remember. And then uh, Tom Hanks and the friend's husband start like fake crying or real. I don't. I they're they're tell. really crying. I think just I really couldn't crying. tell if it was meant to be like they the men were making fun of the woman for crying uh. at an affair to remember and pretending to cry at like a war movie, mm-hmm. or if they were like actually crying at the war movie and Nora Ephron was being like see they cry too it's just at a different thing I think they I couldn't were actually tell. supposed to be crying but it is hard okay. to tell because they I mean their performances are kind of bad yeah it was hard <laughs> yeah um, Tom Hanks and his son have I think a lot of great chemistry it is kind of like two yeah. separate films for most of the movie mm-hmm. um, and I think one of the like emotional climaxes of the film is uh Tom Hanks has to run to New York to like rescue his son who has run away mm-hmm. to meet a stranger on the internet, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and he, you know, is a he's a grieving father. So when he gets to his son on the top of the building and is like, "What would I have done without you? You're all I have. You're my only family." Um, yeah. That's like kind of the nice conclusion of their story. Yeah, I think a lot of the like what I love so much about romantic movies is the lead up. Mm. and which is why i love pride and prejudice so much there's so much like tension built up yeah but in this movie they like Branham was saying like they don't meet into the very end and there is no build-up but there is a lot of great moments between the son and the father and i mm-hmm. think like it almost fills a gap wh- where like like there is yeah. no character development like but relationship wise besides mm. the relationship between father and son mm. and i think that sort of fills it for me cuz they do have such great like father son chemistry where they're yeah. just like i love the scene when they're brushing their teeth together and uh <laughs> The, what is what is talking about talk? sex He's, and like, yeah. women having scratches women oh scratching yeah men's backs yeah and tom hanks is just so like chill about it yeah and i don't know i was i loved that moment um and then at the end right before jonah gets on the plane to go to new york they had this really bad fight mm-hmm. um and it's really sad because they're screaming at each other. Tom Hanks is like telling Jonah to shut up and he, and Jonah's like, yeah. shut up. Mom never told me to shut up. And it's just super sad yeah. because it's like, I don't know. But then they like and, have that great resolution at the top of the Empire State, mm-hmm. State Building. And it is that emotional yeah. payoff. And, and by contrast, Annie's story is like deeply yeah. sad, you know, like she's just someone who's unhappy in her <laughs> life. And is ready to nuke it for this possibility. Um, the craziest part is when she goes across the country and doesn't even say hello yeah. to him. Like when she is, quote unquote, like writing a yeah. story. Um, yeah. Oh, but also, um, I meant to say this. Jonah gets, I think, what is the best line in the whole movie. That I watched this on a plane a month ago and I laughed out loud. He's angry that his dad is seeing this new woman who he doesn't like. And she comes over and makes some dinner and he's on his way up the stairs and it's his delivery of this. He's so funny. He's like, thanks for dinner. I never saw anyone cook potatoes that way. And then he gives this like so, finger in and instantly drops it. It's like, it's so yeah, he's such a brat. He's such a nineties looking yeah. boy too. With that bowl yeah. cut and his little sweaters. Oh God, he reminds me of my brother a little bit. Oh, Meg Ryan gets a lot of beautiful, um, 
she's always like beautifully styled mm-hmm. in these rom-coms she was in in the 90s and it made me miss we don't really make movies like this anymore that has two huge stars mm-hmm. in it you know like a romantic film with two like leading very famous mm-hmm. people you know that would make money yeah they don't they're um, not know, as like successful the like rom-coms aren't as successful these days i feel like it's very interesting like the last really big lead i can remember in a rom-com was maybe like crazy stupid love with ryan gosling yeah. you know there have been smaller ones like you know always be my maybe was on mm-hmm. netflix and there's definitely more diverse options mm-hmm. now but none are like big theatrical releases yeah. that get attention I, there you know, are the, they're like on streaming Issa Rae has two coming out like oh yeah which is like crazy to me that there are two like coming out at the same time <laughs> i'm like how did she make these movies yeah it's like the photograph and i can't it, remember what the other one it has called. kumail yeah which i like probably both i want to see like both of those probably even though i don't really know what they're about oh and lakeith stanfield is the romantic lead one of them and i was like this is exactly what i need to see is lakeith in a romantic movie are they gonna be in theaters though yeah i saw the trailer for one in theaters so i'm like assuming it's gonna be in theaters okay yeah that's what we need though i know i hope they do well so that more Mm -hmm. get made because i love (laughs) rom-coms especially I mean, Netflix is putting out some good ones, like Always Netflix Be My Baby and P- or, To All um, the Boys. To All the Boys I Love Before coming soon. <laughs> yes, I still love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just interesting that we've kind of like moved away from these type of big releases where we'd have yeah. two huge stars. I would love to mm-hmm. see big stars in a romantic movie. Um, you know, like it's why we're so starved for good kissing in Star Wars. Yeah. Give <laughs> me some good kissing in other movies. Yeah, anyway. I did also have, like, a very strong feeling of nostalgia for them. Like, it felt so safe in this movie, mm. even though it was so weird. But I was just like, wow. Oh, I'm just, I, it was like a warm blanket. It was a warm safeness. blanket movie. I love her relationship with Rosie O'Donnell as the best friend. Yeah. They're very supportive of each other. I like that they say I love you to each other over the phone, too. Yeah. I thought that was really sweet and mm-hmm. accurate of female friendship. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of... It is a warm, comforting movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. and like an escape, um, that I really enjoyed. Um, here's some one star reviews. If we want to just jump into that. Yeah. They're crazy. I mean, people, I agree. I mean, like you have to agree with all of them. Okay. (laughs) A movie for romantics. Sure. Just to remember that your girlfriend who seems very much in love with you will dump your carefree, no complicated past, caring, compassionate self for a guy with emotional baggage with a kid who she only met, but he has a nicer name than you. (laughs) The name thing is so weird to me. Because she's like Walter. She's like, has anyone ever called you Walt? Oh, okay. Yeah, she doesn't like the name Walter, which is a cute name. Yeah. He is kind of a dork. But yeah. like at the end, he's so nice that I'm he's like, wow, this nice. is a good guy. <laughs> he's like way too nice for her. She should definitely yeah. get out of that relationship because she's unhappy, but yeah, he's a nice guy. Do you want to yeah. read the second one? Yeah. Uh, here are my problems with the film. First of all, Annie decides to dump a perfectly nice man based on a stranger's telephone call. That is weird and disturbing. Of course, Sam is he- here is a perfectly nice guy, but he could just as easily been the next Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> true. <laughs> like, I agree. That is so funny. <laughs> and true. And she could have been the next. Ian yeah. was like... <laughs> When she showed up, like, across the street from him, Ian was like, what is going to happen next? Like, is she going to peel off his skin? Like, what's going to happen? I know. It's very, it's very, it could have been played a whole different way. 
Yeah. This was my favorite one-star review. Sleepless in Seattle sets the female gender back decades. <laughs> Women randomly cry at the slightest stupid thing and send letters to some guy they've only heard on the radio one time because they're so desperate and chase after impossible love because they're trying to recreate some unrealistic fantasy spawned by seeing far too many movies. Okay. on Like, it's... the In this movie... Uh, Annie's coworkers are like it just goes to show how desperate women are and I in my I was thinking I was like I'll no it goes to show like <laughs> there are no good guys <laughs> like we have to like dig to the bottom of the barrel to get like just yeah. a decent man oh the statistic they keep citing about how it's more like a woman over 40 is more likely to be killed by a terrorist than get married mm-hmm. is like a real thing that was circulated a lot at the time like there was, was like it? a Newsweek article or something about it. Oh Jesus! I read it in. Um, That's so. I Rebecca like that they Tracer's included book. that. That's yeah. Why? Not crazy. Um, yeah. Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts and rating for Sleepless in Seattle? Um, I. It is. I mean, I think. I said it all. It's just like completely crazy, but weirdly relatable, and like weirdly a nice, like, comforting watch, even though yeah. it's so weird. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll rate it a 6 out of 10. I'm going to rate it a 6 out of 10 as well. I was like, maybe a 7. I have a lot of love for this movie. Mm-hmm. I love Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in films together. I think they are mm-hmm. they have a lot of really great chemistry, even mm-hmm. though they're not in it together. But yeah. You've Got Mail feels like the like a sequel to this, kind of. It's Okay. They get more interact. Have you seen You've Got Mail? I have, but I uh, was like, eh. I don't, I, I don't know why I started watching it at a young age. You've got male more explicitly references Pride and Prejudice, but I think mm-hmm. Sleepless in Seattle is a better movie. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we messed that up. But no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but our, our romantic movies will continue in February. Well, we have a checklist coming out mm-hmm. next Monday. Yeah. About P.S. I Still Love You. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 do. We're so excited. What is that noise? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a. I think it was Space Jam. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Well, we are getting ready. We're we're gonna. It's like get hype. <laughs> we should maybe like try to Instagram live it. Okay. Oh, we maybe should. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll like I'll be like chat like. We'll I'm gonna chat. watch it on Tuesday with a friend. So wait, when does it come out? Tuesday. Wednesday. Sorry. It comes out Wednesday. Okay. And then well, we'll record on Thursday. Amazing. Um, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on February 24th, and we're going to be talking about love and basketball and The Notebook. ChickFlix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Group Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to ChickFlix. Thanks. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs>